Hi, I'm Mona Lewis, the sports director of WSU, and I want to personally welcome you to X's and Opinions. Sit back and listen as some of WSU's sportscasters break down some of the major headlines over the past week of professional sports. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WSU Sports for more content. And rate this podcast and subscribe if you enjoy. Now, let's get started, shall we? Welcome back to another episode of X's and Opinions. I'm your host, Jimmy Bliss, joined by a great duo of analysts, Liam Plate and Louis Pasquale. Guys, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. I was happy to watch the one o'clock games, and I'm excited for the 4:30 games. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, watched, uh, listened to some Seton Hall women's basketball earlier today. Uh, Wilner and, and Ronnie Castaneda gave us the the call there and a great game, a pirate win. So, and then getting ready to watch some football tonight. And those two always give us a great call, don't they, Liam? Of course, always, always <laughs> a good time with those two on the call. All right, well, let's just jump into our first question. We're going to talk a little bit of NFL today and a little NBA later on. So we're just going to start with the first question. The Jacksonville Jaguars have officially clinched the number one pick in the 2021 NFL draft. After the New York Jets won their second straight game last week, they handed the Jaguars the golden ticket to the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. So between the Jaguars and the Jets, which team would be a better fit for Trevor Lawrence? Oh, Jimmy, this is this is a very hard question. I don't know if either team stands out to me as, as a, somewhere that T-Law would want to go. But to me, if Adam Gates is the head coach of the Jets, then he does not want to go there. Send him to Jacksonville. I'm pretty sure him as well as his family and anyone that's close to him knows that Adam Gase will not do a good job with him if he is the head coach. I will say this, though. If Adam Gase is not the head coach, then it becomes a little bit of a closer battle. The Jaguars have a good young team. They can use some help on defense but and as well as offense, I guess. But they have decent receivers. Uh, they have J- James Robinson, who had a really good year at running back this year. So, I don't know. To me, the, the, I think the Jags would be a little bit better off even if Adam Gase is not the head coach of the New York Jets next year. So, If the Jags do plan on taking him, then I think that would be a better fit for Trevor Lawrence. I think they're both solid fits for him, but I think I have to agree with you, Louie, that if Adam Gase is not the coach, then it is a a lot, a lot, a lot better case there for the Jets. But so I think if Gase isn't the coach, you know, I think the Jets would probably be a a good fit for him because, you know, they could, if they get Lawrence, if they got, if they had gotten him, Obviously, I don't think they will because if you're the Jaguars, you can't pass on him. Um, I think they could would 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 have been able to trade Darnold for a few picks, a good offensive weapon, and get 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 some young talent on that offense to try and jumpstart it uh, to go along with with Trevor. But I mean, obviously, it's looking like the the Jaguars are probably going to take him, and then maybe the Jets will end up with, with Justin Fields. But I think Lawrence will fit well in Jacksonville. You know, this is a team that not. Not, not too long ago, they were in the AFC championship game. And, and you know, they have lost a lot of players from that team, but I think they're able to rebuild from there, especially if they get Lawrence. That's their quarterback of the future of the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, and the Jets do have a lot of cap room and draft picks going into next year. So that's something to look forward to if a quarterback is going to go to the New York Jets. And that would make it a little bit closer between the two. And maybe he'll be like the, the Baker Mayfield of the New York Jets, where he's going to take this franchise out of the ruins. He's going to bring them up and <laughs> hopefully for the Jets, if they do get him, bring them to a playoff berth, just as Baker Mayfield has done. So it is close. Yes, you can call me a homer all that you guys want to, but I think that he would be better in the green of New York than he would be in the teal of Jacksonville. So first off, would you rather be living in New York City or would you rather be living in Jacksonville? I think that's a simple question. Everyone would rather be in New York. If you look at the two franchises themselves, 
neither of the two franchises are that good. None of them are structured that well, but the Jets do have a little bit more going for them right now, although it's kind of close between the two of them. The Jets have a much better GM. It looks like he has the ability to draft a lot better than the Jaguars GMs have. We don't even know what the Jaguars first round picks or the fast few years have been doing apart from Josh Allen, who was a good pick last year. But I would just argue that the Jets have more stability right now as a franchise that Trevor would rather go there, rather play in the bright lights of New York than play in the AFC South, which is a pillow fight of a division. The AFC South is just, I mean, he would do better against the AFC South defenses than he would against the AFC East defenses playing Belichick, playing Flores, and then playing the Bills defense. But I just think that he would do better surrounded by Jameson Crowder, Denzel Mims, Chris Herndon, Bashard Perriman, then he would with DJ Chark, James Robinson, and, and a completely terrible offensive line. But moving on from that to the other side of the coin where we're going to talk about a good team, the New Orleans Saints have looked as good as ever this season with one of the best defenses in the NFL, as well as an offense which is hitting its stride late in the season. Could this be the Saints' chance to win the Super Bowl? I think they have a good shot. I think that they'll end up being the team coming out of the NFC. Uh, so I think they'll play in the Super Bowl. I don't know if they'll win. I think whoever wins, I'm, I'm thinking the AFC winner is either going to be the Chiefs or the Bills. Uh, most likely the Chiefs just because of how, how well they've been playing, but the Bills have been playing fantastic this season as well. So, and I'm a big believer in Josh Allen. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. So, and Stefan Diggs as well. So, I don't know. I think the Saints can get there. I don't know if they're going to win because I think the Bills or Chiefs are, are going to get it this year. For me, I don't think the Saints will be playing in the Super Bowl. I think there are too many teams in the NFC that give them problems before they even get to the Super Bowl. I think if you look at Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've, they've already beaten them twice. And there's an old football adage that it's very hard to beat a team three times in a season. So, And they won by a pretty hefty margin the last time they played Tampa Bay. So look for Tampa Bay to really be on their A game if they do come across the Saints in the playoffs. I also think the Seahawks could do some damage if they were to play the Saints. The Seahawks play in a very hard division in the NFC West. And that's why their record isn't as good as probably they are because it's really hard to play in that division. And so those, I believe they four losses, those four losses have come from some pretty solid teams. So I don't, I don't, see the Saints making to making it to the Super Bowl and even if they do I, I think that the Chiefs and or the Bills would have the upper hand in that game so for me I, I do not I could definitely see this year being the Saints year as far as if they were to win a Super Bowl this would be the last chance I believe I think this is Drew Brees's last dance I think this is his final ride in New Orleans we saw his gruesome injury this year where he broke what double digit ribs and punctured his lung he looks like he's not coming back he's not the same quarterback that he once was but pre-snap he's still very good he's very good at audibling he's very good at telling what coverage it is and just for you guys to note back home the Saints have been without their two best players at least their leader and their best offensive player in every single game this year they've been without either one of Michael Thomas or Drew Brees they haven't played a single snap together when Michael Thomas was actually the first game they played a little bit together but that game wasn't very passing oriented for the Saints. They mostly ran the ball. But apart from that game, Michael Thomas had that high ankle sprain, missed two months. Drew Brees, as soon as Michael Thomas came back, had his whole rib injury. And now that Drew Brees is back again, Michael Thomas has been out and he's been ruled out for the rest of the season until the playoffs begin. I just think that with the defense they have, they're going to be in any game, absolutely any game with their pass rush, with their linebackers, with their secondary every single player on their defense has the ability to be a pro bowl player whether they have already 
or they will be in the future. And with the offense, you see Alvin Kamara, and he's just tearing it up. He ran for six touchdowns, tying the record just two weeks ago. So that's nothing to laugh at. I think the Saints do have a very good shot. If they do get to the Super Bowl, it's going to be close between them, the Bills, the Chiefs. I mean, they hung in with the Chiefs. They only lost by a field goal. So I do think that would be a very good game. But anyway, moving on to another proud franchise. The New England Patriots had a down year this year, according to their extremely high standards. Sitting at a current record of 6-9, and nine, they will miss the playoffs for the first time since 2008. Cam Newton was brought in to bridge the gap between Tom Brady and another franchise quarterback, but disappointed all year long. So who do you think should be under center for the Patriots during the 2021 NFL season? So I have kind of a weird answer to this one, and it's kind of an if-then answer. So if the Jets decide to go quarterback, then it would very much hurt me to say, but I could see Sam Darnold go to the Patriots. Belichick wouldn't, has already seen him twice a year for like three years. He knows Sam Darnold. If, if he sees something in Sam Darnold, he sees that potential that some other NFL coaches and, and scouts do see, then – Oh, it would hurt me, but I could see him go to the Pats. Now, another quarterback who I have going to the Pats, if the Jets decide to keep Sam and the Pats decide to draft the quarterback kind of high is Mac Jones, the guy from Alabama. Now, we were talking before the show, Jimmy, and you're, you're not too high on Mac Jones, but I feel like he's, he's one of those guys that Bill Belichick can coach up in his, in his great system that he has. He won't be asked to do too much. He could sit behind Stidham or whatever, Hoyer, whatever other quarterback they have on the roster. He won't have to play his rookie year, although if Belichick decides that it will benefit him, then he might very well be playing his rookie year. But nevertheless, I think Mac Jones is a player that Belichick could coach up, and we could, we could potentially see him as the quarterback of New England, which would be a bit scary in my opinion. Yeah, I'd, I'd, Louis actually, Darnold was, was one of the guys I had down. I could see that happening because they could trade uh, to the Patriots uh, if they do end up getting a quarterback uh, like Fields. Uh, but then now with the recent report that, that Carson Wentz wants out of Philadelphia, maybe he's someone they could see because Wentz is still a talented quarterback. I, I personally think it's just the offensive system that's failing in Philadelphia and that the play calling is just awful. And that I think when still a talented quarterback and under the right offense and right head coach, he would be able to flourish uh, well. So I could see Wentz going there, but then as for drafting a quarterback, I mean, obviously Lawrence and Fields are probably the top two in the, in the draft. So they would be, I think those are really the only two that could start right away. I mean, maybe if they want a guy like Kyle Trask, uh, they could, I could see him, them taking him uh, maybe not first round, but maybe second. Um, I mean, Mac Jones is an option as well. And no, but I don't, I don't know if I really see the, the Patriots trying to, if, if they try to draft the QB, I think it's probably going to be some guy in like the sixth or seventh round that no one's heard of. That's going to like come and become the next Tom Brady. Maybe, uh, maybe that could happen, but I could see Darnold Wentz. I mean, those are really the only two guys, two quarterbacks that will probably be looking for a new home this off season. So I could see those, maybe one of those two, but uh, I, I don't really think that's so maybe they'll try and find someone through the draft. Yeah, you two both bring up pretty good quarterbacks, pretty good points, but I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into this and think about more of the NFL rumors that are going on right now with a few veterans. So we've seen over the past few weeks rumblings about Derek Carr leaving the Raiders. We see that John Gruden's not really in love with him. He wants to get a different quarterback to fit his style of play. We've seen that the Falcons might be looking to get off of Matt Ryan. I could see the two of them both coming into New England and immediately having a huge impact. As far as the draft goes, New England doesn't really have a lot of 
success drafting offensive players, especially early in the draft. But if they were to draft an offensive player, especially a quarterback to be under center for the 2021 season, I could really see Kyle Trask having a big impact in New England. He's a big body, he's six foot six. He's got a rocket of an arm. He's very accurate. He's mobile. He's everything that you need in a modern day quarterback. And if he's in Gillette Stadium for a decade, uh, as a Jets fan, I'm going to be so scared to play them for another 10 years. Now, he's not going to be as good as Tom Brady, obviously, but he's going to be a different style of quarterback. Like I said, he's a bruiser. He's a, he's a vicious runner. He'll, he has no problems lowering his shoulder and just blowing guys up. So I would say either a Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, if they want to go veteran for who, want, who they want to be under center for the 2021 season. But if they want to go through the draft, I could see Kyle Trask definitely – as their first round pick being under center for them in 2021. On to the next question. So at the time of recording this podcast, we have six wildcard weekend matchups in store for next week, starting on Saturday. Bills versus Browns, Steelers versus Ravens, Titans, Dolphins, Saints, Bears, Seahawks, Rams, and Washington versus the Buccaneers. Which of these matchups is the most intriguing to you? For me, it's definitely Bills-Browns. I, I think that'll be a great game. I, I've been a, a big fan of the Bills this season. I think they're playing great football. And even the Browns today getting the win over the Steelers, and I think they're now they got their team back, they're healthy. I think that could turn out to be a great game. I think it'll be a good offensive shootout. But, I mean, obviously I think the Bills would would, would get come out on top, but I think that'd be a great game to watch. And, you know, it'd be in Buffalo, which would make it good. Both teams uh, used to playing in the cold weather, so – I think that could make out to be a, a good game. Baker May, Mayfield's been playing well, uh, and, and you know Josh Allen has been playing well all season. So I think I think it could be a good game. For me, I think it'd be the Steelers versus the Ravens. There's going to be absolutely no love lost in that game. That's two teams that have been rivals for as long as I can remember. Huge AFC matchups in the playoffs since Joe Flacco and Big Ben have been battling out in like 2014. I'm excited to see Juju. Is, is he going to dance? Is he going to not dance? What is he going to do? Uh, and it's going to be it's going to be a hard fought battle. The Steelers are kind of coming off a loss to the Browns this week. And obviously they also had an amazing start to the season. And then they started losing games late. I'm excited to see if that impacts them in the playoffs. And the Ravens had an absolute statement game against the Cincinnati Bengals today. I think they won by about 30. So that's that was intriguing to me to see that. So I think Steelers Ravens is going to be a really good game to watch next week. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Lou. I also circled the Steelers and Ravens because, like you said, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. They're both completely physical teams. They don't like each other. They've been rivals for as long as I've been alive. Every every Sunday night, at least they have one game against each other every single year. It's just the two franchises just don't like each other. That's the bottom line. And in the playoffs, if you have a rivalry game, it, it means more especially when it's a team like that that you've been battling back and forth, you've been jockeying with for multiple years, multiple decades, as the Ravens and Steelers have been. I'm excited to see what the Steelers can do because, like you said, they had a very slow second, I guess, second quarter, not second quarter, second half of the season after they started 11-0. They've kind of struggled over the past five games. They won a few games, but then they lost to teams like Washington. They got blown out by Buffalo. They really have not looked themselves. It'll be interesting to see what their game plan would be against the Ravens. They played the Ravens twice this year, obviously, because they're in the same division. The first time was a very good game with uh, the entire Ravens team healthy. I believe that came down to the final play. And in, so, in doing so, 
it was an incomplete pass, so the Steelers walked off as winners. In the second game, Trace McSorley had to play quarterback because RG3 and Lamar Jackson were out, a good amount of the Ravens were out, and that was still a close game. That just shows you how big this rivalry is and how much it means to both of these teams. As for the Ravens themselves, I'm excited to see how their rushing attack does fully healthy against the Steelers' defense because this is one of the best defenses I've ever seen in my life in the Steelers. They're defensively stout. They're good at the back end. They're very, very physical. It's like they're bringing back the Steel Curtain from a few years ago. It's just it's incredible. Steel Curtain 2.0 out there. So I would definitely circle the Steelers-Ravens game if that does come into fruition next week. Now moving on to a different sport and to the NBA. After two weeks of the NBA season, we've seen a few surprises along the way. Now, my question for the two of you is, which team has impressed you the most during this two-week stretch, and who has been the biggest disappointment in your eyes? I mean, the team that's uh, impressed me the most would have to be the 76ers. They're in first place of the of the Eastern Conference as of right now, 5-1. and one. I think they – I just think this team really meshes well together. I think ever since Dale Morey got there, he's made some good moves. He's acquired a lot of shooters, which the Sixers liked the last two seasons, or, or at least last season without – without re-signing J.J. Redick or, or any of those guys off the bench. So I think they've done, they did a good job uh, bringing in some shoes over the offseason. And even just this team chemistry seems awesome. Uh, you know, Ben Simmons says that the team chemistry is, is amazing off the court. And I've seen videos on Twitter that of these guys shooting uh, in the gym at the Wells Fargo Center up until 10 p.m. at night, still getting shots up after they just blew out the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, I think the team chemistry is there. And this is a team that at first glance, when you're watching them, that you think that their ceiling could be around second round. But I don't know if they if they can put the chemistry together. They have a couple good stars, uh, young stars and Simmons and MB that I think they could push them over the edge, maybe make the Eastern Conference finals and maybe make a finals appearance. I don't know if I see them winning the finals, but I think they can make a deep playoff run. And I think they're having a great start to the season. So I'd say look out for the Sixers uh, down the road, especially once we get into these 72 games. And a team that impressed me was the New York Knicks. And honestly, it's not because they've been playing out of their mind, but it's because they haven't been playing like total trash. I honestly didn't know how to expect or what to expect from the Knicks this season. They have a really young team. They have a new head coach. I was watching that first Pacers game, and I was like, okay, the Knicks are doing fine. And then towards the end, the Pacers started to pull away, and I was like, well, this is going to be a long season for the Knicks. But they started off 0-2. They won the next two games. Now they're sitting at 500. Three and three right now. As I said, they have a young team. They have a lot of room to grow, uh, and they've been in games. They the, the their first win this season was against the Bucks, which surprised me. They put I believe they put up one thirty, which is a lot of points to put up against a pretty good Bucks team. So and Tom Thibodeau, first year as head coach, I didn't know how he would do, but he's doing pretty well for the New York Knicks right now, uh, because I think for the Knicks, there's only room for them to grow from here. So they've impressed me so far. And what's the team that's disappointed the two of you so far? For me, the Washington Wizards. Uh, right now they're sitting at one and five. Russ is doing it all like he normally does. I can't hate on Russ. I'm not a Russ hater. He, right now he's averaging a double double, a triple double, excuse me, which to me is insane because he's been doing that for probably the last five years. And they have, they also have the likes of Bradley Beal and they have a few other names on that roster, but one and five, I, I thought they would do a little bit better. I know they weren't going to shock the world in any way, shape or form, but uh, the record scares me and I don't know how they're going to do throughout the rest of the season team that's disappointed me or at least I expected more of so far this year is definitely the Golden State Warriors they're two and three and they've just looked completely lackluster on the court sometimes I mean I, I see in one picture where 
Steph Curry is trying to bring the ball up and he's getting uh I'm trying to think of what the word for a five man team is. I guess like he hasn't got all five <laughs> players on the other team guarding him at half court. He's like trapped. In a what was it? Quintuple teamed. Quintuple team. He's getting quintuple teamed <laughs> on the court. No one else. It's on a fast break. He's at half court, right? And he has like maybe two players next to him. I don't know where the rest of his team is and why they're not up the floor. They're trying to run the fast break. I just think with a team that was expected to be good this year and compete for the Western Conference, this is a terrible start for them. I know they don't have Clay Thompson this season, which sucks that that they don't didn't, couldn't get him in there and that he got hurt again. But you know, I think I just expected more from this Warriors team and that uh, with Steph Curry coming back, that he'd be able to lead them a little bit better. And obviously it looks like he's going to have to carry the team this year and we'll see how he carries them. Yeah, definitely two teams that have disappointed so far. So for me, myself, I think that someone that's impressed me is the Suns. So I didn't realize this, but they currently sit at five and one. They've beat the Mavericks playoff team from last year. Kings borderline playoff team from last year. Pelicans, same deal the Jazz, a playoff team, and the Nuggets, also a playoff team from last year. Then they also lost to the Kings. And the thing that's impressed me the most is Chris Paul isn't even playing his best in their 5-1. and one. He's averaging just 13 points per game, which is the fourth most on the team. But what Chris Paul has brought to this team is a lot of scrappiness, a lot of leadership, a lot of things that they need because their team is so young with Devin Booker, with Mikel Bridges, with DeAndre Ayton, all these young guys. They just need a leader to lead them in the right direction. And he's been everything. Chris Paul has been everything that he's been advertised. He's been scrappy on defense. He's brought everyone together as a unit, as a team. And then as well as Chris Paul not playing as well, Cameron Johnson and Mikel Bridges have both stepped up big this year. They're both averaging over uh, double digits with uh, Johnson averaging 13 and Mikel Bridges averaging 15 respectively. So the four of them have all been huge this year, which is a big reason why I've been impressed by the Suns. As for a disappointing team, I've got to say the Nuggets. I mean, last year they got to the Western Conference Finals, and this year they were supposed to get better. They were supposed to improve upon what they did. They're a young team. They're just getting older. They're getting more experienced. Perhaps it is because they played so late into the bubble that they're just physically tired, and that's why they're off to a slow start. But right now they're one and four. They're sitting last place in the West. They beat the Rockets, who are another team that's been kind of disappointing so far. And then they also the Clippers, which is understandable. The Clippers are a good team. The Kings twice and the Suns. But it's not been because their stars have been bad. Jokic and Murray are both playing well, both averaging over 20 points per game. Jokic is even averaging a triple-double so far with 23 at 13 and 11 to his name. But their defense has just been so disappointing. They've been They've been giving up over... 110 points per game and that you just can't be doing that in the west especially in today's day and age with how many superstars are in the league so those are definitely my most impressive and most disappointing teams moving on from that who is your mvp pick so far this season two weeks into the nba season um i mean i think overall i think the mvp is is luca i don't think you can really pick anyone else i mean he's I think he's hands down. He's one of the best players in the league and one of the most talented, even though he's such a young player and he's only been in the league a few years. So I think he's, I think he's been the MVP so far. And I think he's going to be the MVP this season. Um, I think they're, they're going to give it to him. I don't think people are going to look at Giannis uh, the same and want to give him the award at the end. Uh, but then, you know, LeBron's been playing great too, uh, I think, but you know, I think there's a lot of guys who 
have been have been playing well, obviously, but then there's a lot of guys that have been doing well that doesn't really show up on the stat sheet. I would just with their leadership, like you talked about with Chris Paul, uh, a guy, and I think he's probably the MVP for the Suns uh, at this point. Uh, but I think he's been playing well. He's one of those guys. But I just think I think Luca probably uh, is the best overall. Yeah, it's really hard to bet against Luca. I mean, he's a he's only 21. He's a really good player. He's got a lot of room to grow. But I, I want to go LeBron James just because I feel like he was a little bit ticked off. He didn't win it last year. He led the league in assists for the first time in his career last year. So he's, he's still at the top of his game. He hasn't uh, fell off by any means. Uh, they did lose some big names, J.R. Smith, Danny Green, but they didn't have a bad offseason. They, they got Montrez Harrell and Marcus All. So And the team is still run by LeBron and AD anyway. So I, I think they're going to be fine as long as they can continue to gel, continue to work together. They're going to be fine. He's LeBron is he's averaging 23 points a game and seven rebounds. So he's doing fine. Maybe maybe uh, he'll he'll feel a little bit angry from last year. He'll push him to new heights, elevate his game, and he'll be able to get the MVP. But honestly, it really is hard to bet against Luca. Luca's one of the best players, if not the best player in the NBA. Yeah, those are two very viable candidates right there, both out of the Western Conference. And we'll play devil's advocate here and go a little bit against the grain. I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant, he's just coming back from his Achilles tear, and he looks like he's the exact same player he was before he tore his Achilles. He's averaging 28 points per game with Brooklyn, and Brooklyn hasn't started the best. They're 3-3, three and three, but it's still early on in the season. He already has great chemistry with Kyrie Irving, and this may be a hot take, but I think that Kevin Durant is the best player in the league right now. I think that his overall game, I think you can't stop on the offensive side of the floor. He's a seven-foot sharpshooter. You can throw three guys on him, and he's still going to make his buckets. He's got good passing. He's a good rebounder. He's a very good defensive player. He is just, like, the perfect player for this day and age of the NBA. I know LeBron haters are going to – LeBron lovers are going to be looking at me right now and thinking, what is this guy thinking? But I just think that Kevin Durant's overall game, he's so dominant. We saw him – make two big shots over LeBron over the past two years, which was my way of him passing the torch to Kevin Durant as the best player in the league. I think that a lot of people have forgot about Kevin Durant. He's become an afterthought because he missed last year. So everyone was thinking, Oh, LeBron's better than him now. Kawhi is better than him now. Luca Giannis. But I just think that Kevin Durant brings a different thing to his game that not a lot of people have anymore. He's just a dominant scorer. He's good all around. And we've just seen him scratch the surface so far. We've just seen him six games removed from his Achilles tear, which is usually a very, very devastating injury. But he came back. He's better than ever, averaging 28 points per game. And that's only going to inflate more as we progress through the season. And now the final topic of the day, we're going to talk about the rookies so far in the NBA. Which rookie has settled into the NBA the easiest, in your opinions? And who has had the roughest start into the rookie season? All right, Jimmy, you're not going to like me for this one, but I'm going to say LaMelo Ball. He, the stats aren't there yet. He's only averaging 11 points. He does average four rebounds and four assists per game, which is what I like to see. He hasn't really been starting, though. And, yes, I know he only put up uh, – he put up zero points in, in his opening game, first career game in the NBA. That's all right. Scoring will come. I think he's a scorer. He's going to be fine. He can shoot better from three. His, recently, his three-point shooting has been not good at all. So I think up that category, I, I, like I said, he's going to start 
it's going to help him. He'll develop into a nice young rookie in the NBA. He's going to be fine. For me, I'm going for since um, Louis kind of did his one that disappointed him, I'll just go with mine. Uh, I'm going to do Killian Hayes. I think, I mean, he's played in five games. He started all of them, but you're he's playing around 22 minutes per game, only averaging four points. And oh, just not he's not living up to being a top pick. Uh, being a first round guy, I think obviously he's only 19, so he has he still has some adjusting to do uh, to the league. But I think uh, I just think I would have expected a little bit more from him since since he was a first round pick. He's averaging four assists, which is probably his only bright spot uh, to match his four points. But then 0.4 steals per game, 1.4 rebounds, and only shooting 23.5 percent from the field. I just don't think it's what the Pistons would want to see from him. And especially someone, if you take in the first round, you want them to bring production right away or at least play some kind of role. And he's starting already, and he's not putting up numbers. So I just think he's been a little bit disappointing. And how about on the flip side? So for me, for the for the player that's impressed me so far is definitely Tyrese Halliburton on Sacramento. He's had multiple double-digit games, 12 points against the Nuggets, a 15 against the Suns, another 13 against the Nuggets, then 11 against the Rockets. His worst game was was when he scored two points, only only two points against the Suns. He's averaging 10, 10.6 points per game, you know, 52.9% from, from the field, and then 50% from three, 4.4 assists. I think he's he's really settling well into the NBA, and I think the, the Kings should be happy with the way he's playing. I, mean, I think he's bringing a lot to this young Kings team and that they really need another guy that can push them over the, push them over the edge, and hopefully maybe they can they can get to the playoffs, maybe snag that eight seed or something. I think they still got a few more years until they can be a, a good team and a, a few more moves away. But I think Tyrese Halliburton's bringing a lot to this Kings team, and he, he can really uh, he can really bring a lot in the future. How about you, Louie? So this is kind of an obvious answer, but Anthony Edwards, I've been impressed with how he's been playing. He's shooting – close to 70% or 70% from the free throw line, 31 from three and, and 42 from the field. That's all fine in my book for a rookie point totals. He's got 15.4 points and two rebounds, one assist per game. First overall pick, you should be doing fine in the NBA, but I'm looking forward to see how he progresses throughout his career. Yeah, definitely two good candidates there. So who I thought has the easiest adjustment to the NBA was James Wiseman, the number two overall pick of the, Golden State Warriors. He's averaging 12 points per game, but that doesn't tell the entire story of how important he's been to the Warriors. He's the second best player on the Warriors thus far this season. He surpassed Andrew Wiggins, I think, the third game of the season already as the second best player on the Warriors. I mean, it's going to be tough to pass Steph Curry, so I think he's pretty happy with being the second best player on his team until Clay comes back next year. And this is a man who only played a handful of games as a college player he went to Memphis and had that whole recruiting scandal and I believe he only played two or three games so after that no one really knew how he was going to adjust to the NBA he never really played against players of his caliber because he dominated high school then he went to college didn't play much there as for someone that I've been disappointed by it'd be definitely it would definitely be LaMelo Ball so LaMelo Ball was the third pick ESPN's drooling over him already with posting highlights of him passing the ball like any NBA player does and throwing up alley-oops like any any other NBA player has done in their entire career. 
He didn't score a single point in his NBA debut. How are you going to be the third overall pick and not score a single point in your NBA debut? That You just can't do that. He went 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 3 for 3. He just – how do you not score a single point in the NBA? I'm pretty sure you could throw me on the court and I'd make a basket in the NBA. It was a bad game, Jimmy. It was the bad game, but it, it's the first of many bad games from Lomelo Ball. Oh, come on. And, it's too early to say that. Uh, I'm just saying I'm disappointed by him so far. He looks out of place on the floor at times as well. He looks like – I know he's a young kid, so he's going to get better, but at this point of his career, he's looked a little bit out of place. He doesn't look comfortable. He looks a little bit small out there. He's not very good defensively. He can get taken advantage of by these other players. I would like to see him turn it around. I'd like to see LaMelo become a better player, a better scorer, a better passer, a better rebounder, better all, overall player. But as of right now, I have just been nothing but disappointed by LaMelo Ball. Hopefully he turns it around. I really hope he does because he's a likable kid. But I just, I just have not seen a single thing that I've liked from LaMelo Ball thus far. I think, I think LaMelo has been playing – Okay, I think he's been solid. Obviously, not what you want to see, but I think the biggest problem for I think Lamelo is under a lot of pressure. You know, he's been in the spotlight for so long because of his dad and because of his brothers. And you know, like you said, the ESPN's tweeting about every single play he makes. So if he if he makes some big play, everyone's going to see it. And if he makes some mistake, everyone's going to see it. He has a lot of pressure on him right now, and I think that might be affecting his play a little bit that he might not be playing as well. Cause I mean, in your NBA debut, you got to think you're, you're nervous if you're any rookie, but you're LaMelo ball and you've been in, people have been talking about you since you were in high school, draining threes from like half court, you're going to have a lot of high expectations and a lot of pressure on you and a lot of eyes. So I think maybe the, the pressure might be getting to him a little bit just cause he has a, a high expectations of where he's supposed to be. And he might not be there right away, but I still think he's, he's solid. I just think, it's, it's going to take time. Yeah, I definitely see potential there. I just wanted to see him do a little bit more through the mm-hmm. first five, six games of the NBA season based upon all the hype around him and his family. Like you said, it might just be his dad that, you know, adds more pressure to him. And he's just a kid. So mm-hmm. we'll see how he does moving forward. But for now, that will do it for this week's episode of X's and Opinions. Thank you so much to Liam and Louie for joining me today. Please check out WSU Sports on our social media platforms at WSU Sports on Instagram and Twitter. We'll see you on next week's episode. Have a great week.